Indeed. Uh, actually, we are wrapping up uh, our Unstoppable series, which has been uh, five weeks at uh, kind of looking at different snapshots uh, of the church. Uh, we will actually conclude this because it just so naturally does so uh, with a, a time of uh, sharing in uh, Holy Communion. Uh, and I'll, I'll look up here because that's where our cameras are. So those of you that are online, if you want to celebrate with us in that, if you want to prepare uh, something uh, where you're at, um, I'll just mumble for like the last next three or four minutes so you can go get that and uh, be ready to join us um, at the conclusion of our, our message here. But I also am wearing uh, my, some merch, unstoppable merch that uh, my son Jared put together like this. Should I, should I model this a little bit? Maybe? No, uh, but uh, so, you know, have this, so I'll always remember uh, this series, this time in God's Word, uh, and the scriptures that we looked at. If you remember back in week one, we looked at a really great scripture that was kind of, you know, peeking into the living room window of the early church in Acts 2, 42 and 47, talk about all of their devotion, especially to uh, communion, prayer, but especially to each other, uh, and how they had such wonderful community uh, in the early church. And then we spent a week talking about Matthew 28, making disciples. Uh, we talked also then Matthew 20, the third week about, um, you know, growing deep in our love for God and for others that uh, he has designed, uh, you know, our walk uh, to look and to be like that. Uh, and then last week we looked at the scripture that talked about where Jesus says, my house shall be a house of prayer. And kind of talked about what does that look like and, you know, when it comes to uh, the church. And so if you want to join me uh, here, we're going to be looking at Ephesians uh, chapter 4, which is another very critical scripture. And it's one that really helps us to understand how it is the church uh, is to operate. Uh, how How is it, you know, work best? Uh, how is it that it can remain maybe a bit organic and, and growing and healthy and vital uh, as the body of Christ? And this is one of those uh, very critical uh, scriptures in Ephesians chapter 4. It was one that kind of uh, Dr. Carl Eslack referenced actually as a part of our uh, installation uh, last week. And so a little bit different, you know, typically I head right to... Um, uh, chapter 4, uh, especially verses like 11 uh, to 17, but we're going to take a little bit different look uh, this morning. Uh, the first one, or first point, if you're following along in the Bible app or just in some notes you have, uh, the first point I made is, is the bottom line. Uh, and so what, the reason I put it this way is it's the way that he kind of launches all of chapter 4. Now, the book of Ephesus, or the book of Ephesians, of course, is about the church in Ephesus, uh, and it is an amazing church. Um, the, the book of, or the church of Ephesus was created uh, in Acts uh, 18. We can see where Paul uh, kind of goes there and begins to uh, get it launched. Um, and very quickly, what grows in Ephesus is an amazing, amazing church. Uh, uh, actually, Ephesus means desirable, and that was definitely this city. It was a seaport city on the Algian Sea, but also had the Claystar River that was a part of it, and then had three major highways that went out from Ephesus uh, to the north, to the south, and to the west. 
Um, but what happened was is that what God did there was that he began to grow this church um, in Ephesus that uh, was uh, very diverse um, as far as um, a socioeconomic, uh, you know, those kinds of ways, which is very unusual, has always been very unusual in the church. So it was a full span of people that, you know, from, from the poor to, to very rich that would gather. There was many ethnicities that would gather uh, in the church of Ephesus, a very multicultural congregation, um, and, and something that just really grew fast and had great uh, leadership. Uh, and so, you know, hence we have a couple of other places, including eventually Revelation, you know, where we uh, get some interaction uh, with this church uh, in Ephesus. Uh, and so the book of Ephesians really is, um, it is a book that uh, is maybe a, a bit more mature, has some more mature themes, you know, as far as a Christian maturity uh, in it for the church of Ephesus because they had, they had come so far along as a body of Christ. And so it is a great book to study, you know, even, even as a, a church. In our very own district here in the Northeast, all day Saturday, pastors gathered um, really to talk about the, the church in Ephesus. And so we're going to get like a small glimpse here. Number one is the bottom line. And so we're going to begin with Ephesians chapter 4. One, I realize we're jumping in just a few verses, but we'll try to connect it together. Paul says here, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Now, the reason he begins for that way and then begins to have it unfold is because what's going on in chapter 3. But what he has done in Ephesians, especially setting up in chapters 1 and 2, is he's talking about this great mystery, the great mystery that God holds. And then thankfully, he gives us the definition of that mystery in chapter 3. Uh, back in Ephesians 3, 6, and 7, it says, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise uh, in Christ Jesus. Now, you might be thinking, well, yeah, don't we kind of know that, right? But no, this would be very, very new. Uh, th- this would be uh, an overwhelming, incredible concept uh, for the early church. But as the gospel began to spread, you know, this is what we understand is that when Jesus Christ came, the promise in him of salvation and eternal life is not only for Israel, but is for all Gentiles. That is for everyone. Remember the struggle in the Old Testament, right? It, Israel kind of felt like they were a special nation And God kept saying to them, influence the other nations. And they're like, no, 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 you're our God, you know, like, like we're not going to share you, you know. And God says, no, you know, let's help them to understand. Uh, And so finally Christ come, right? Remember, remember last week where, you know, he's very frustrated that they're in the court of Gentiles, you know, it's like, you know, you're still standing in the way. And what you have to understand is that when I came and died upon the cross, that the grace and forgiveness and love of God that's offered there is for everybody. And so Paul's saying, like, this is like this great mystery that God's revealed in Jesus, that God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is for everybody. 
Praise the Lord. <laughs> if you're a Gentile here today, praise the Lord. <laughs> right? That Christ died for you. Has given you salvation from your sins and forgiveness and grace. And has given you the gift of eternal life. And Paul is saying, I know this is a bit of a mystery, but this is what it is. This gospel is for everybody. And so it's our job to take it everywhere. And he's explaining this to the, the church in Ephesians, that this is the mystery that is now known. But then he goes on to say this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So what Paul is saying is that now that we understand this mystery has been revealed, that there is this gospel that is for everyone, I am a servant to this gospel. I am to serve it. I am to give my life for this. This is God's calling for me. And so then, what he does with the rest of chapter 3 is says, and by the way, about this gospel, <laughs> it is about the comprehension of the immeasurable love of God, <laughs> right? If you just go on in chapter 3 now, leading up to, you know, chapter 4, he's saying this is the mystery of the gospel of which I'm a servant of this incredible love. So this is what he sets up in chapter 3 that then says this in chapter 4. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, it's kind of hard to um, understand, really. You know, scholars are kind of split 50-50 on this. And that's the sense of this idea of the prisoner of the Lord. And so what I mean by split by 50-50 is that Paul is saying that I, as a prisoner, am now asking you to live that life that's worthy of this calling. Or it is, he's encouraging us now, that we would give our lives to this, that we would serve this gospel, that we would be captivated by it. We would be prisoners of it. So he's saying, now you even as join me as a prisoner of the Lord, and I urge you to live this life worthy of the calling that you have received. That this is our calling. That we too become like this prisoner, this servant, giving our lives to this gospel. Making sure that it is shared and making sure people understand that there is this forgiveness of sins and this gift of eternal life that is offered to everybody. And so you might be thinking, well, well, this is wonderful. You know, we got to finally get a sunny day out here. And Pastor Christopher's talking about, I got to be some kind of prisoner, you know. I got to be some kind of servant, you know. No, what I'm talking about is, is that God is encouraging us to live this life and to take on this life sentence that we will give ourselves to the gospel and to people knowing about God's incredible love. Now, why might we be servants why might we be prisoners? Why might we even have this kind of identity and understanding of the Christian walk? Well, I come up with just a few things here if you want to take note. Number one is because we live not by our will, but by the will of God. 
that as a servant, as a prisoner of this gospel, then what we understand now is that I, I don't live by my will for my life, but it's God's. You know, do, do we know any prisoner who is in prison who has any kind of will, right, that just says, hey, I'm going to go to McDonald's this morning, right? No, it, do, it doesn't happen. And Paul says, you know, similarly, it's this way, is that we no longer call the shots, but that God calls the shots in our life. And we serve him in this. The second is this, is that this idea of giving ourselves to the gospel, of serving God in this way, is that this was the example of Christ, wasn't it? I mean, when you look at his life, do you remember him saying such things as, I have come not to be served but to serve. You know, and then Philippians 2, as it kind of chronicles his own journey, eventually it gets to the place where it says, and Christ took on the very nature of a servant, like just fulfilling the Father's will completely. Like this is what our life is to be like, following the example of Christ. And the other thing about being a servant and giving our lives over to the gospel is that this is the way that God forms our life or conforms our life after his son. You know, when you said a prayer and you, you asked Jesus into your life and heart if you've done so, there's a big reason why you weren't just beamed up to heaven in that moment. <laughs> You know, that now you live this life so that God can conform you to the image of his son. So that we can become more and more like Christ with the rest of our lives. And that is being this prisoner or servant to the gospel, giving our life over to this. And so this is the setup of Ephesians chapter 4 which gets really, really important a few verses in. So let me get to the meat of it. Point number two here, the leaders, the task, and the goal. And so if you've checked out any time before this, come on back in, because this is really, really important. It's Ephesians 4, 11 and 13 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach a unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, when you probably have read this before or you've heard this taught before, you've probably, it's probably come across as a lot about the leadership in the church. What I mean by that is probably an understanding that you were given of this text was something like this, that God gave to the church these leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And what these people are to do is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach a unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Understandable. Kind of naturally reads like that. But unfortunately, we don't go by the English. We go by original text. 
and context, right? You see, this is, this particular scripture is all about the body of Christ. So God is not singling out leaders here. He's talking about that this is the nature of the ministry of us all. Now you're thinking, okay, I'm trying to stay, stay with me, stay with me here. What he's actually saying here is that what Christ has done. You see, this is far before, well, I'll put it this way, I guess. Uh, you know, the, the church wasn't really an institution until Constantine in 313 A.D., you know, began to kind of put it together. The, the, the church up to that point was mostly house churches. It was very organic. The other thing about the church in these early 300 years, right, it's that it, it didn't have like this big dichotomy of clergy and laity, that didn't exist, you know. In fact, they didn't come until 313. And then when they did that, created clergy and laity, well, that really slowed it. It really messed everything up, <laughs> you know. Because up to this point, church was like this team effort. Like, like we're all doing this together, right? Paul didn't go to places and try to establish this clergy and laity. Absolutely not. He tried to build up the ministry got the ministry going so that when he moved out, it would just flourish, right? And so this is all about the body of Christ, so that what Christ has done is that he's given to the church now the ministry of apostleship, of prophets, of evangelists, of pastors and teachers. If there are leaders in it, then what they're doing is equipping God's people for all of this work of service. So that the body of Christ may grow. And so, you know, I mean, this, and this is really like, like taken off. People are really understanding this text deeply. And it's helping the church so much. Is that the, the church is in big trouble. We're in big trouble if, you know, you, you have staff people who are doing everything. Like running around like they're chickens with a head cut off. Well, everyone else kind of comes and drinks coffee and watches it happen, right? I mean, you know, consulting nearly hundreds of churches, I've seen this over and over and over again, you know. And you're sitting there like, man, they're going like crazy, you know. And it's like, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you have, you know, staff people and leaders that just go until they're burnt out. And then resign, and then you get some more, right? You know, I mean, God has never designed the church to operate like this. You see, for all people, we typically all fall into one of these categories. That some of you have apostolic gifts, like you like to start new stuff and you like to lead new ministries and, you know, you like to help things kind of take new inroads in advancement of the kingdom. There are some of us, some of you who are prophets and that is that, that when you speak, there's a conviction to what you say, probably because of the life that you live, Right? And then there are people all over the church that are these evangelists that have these incredible gifts for presenting the gospel and helping people to be saved. 
There are some people who have more of a pastoral gift and they, they just, they really are concerned. And they, they, their hearts go out to people. They want to care for people. They want to take care of them. And there's some who have, you know, this bent towards teaching and helping people to understand the Word of God. You see, these aren't just leaders in the church. This is all of us discovering what our gifts and what our passions are. And we do church all together. Now, I got a chance to watch our church softball team this week. There were some good, really good ESPN kind of, you know, top 10 moments in it. Uh, you know, they, they have flashes of brilliance, I will say. But let, let's say, for instance, that uh, our softball team's playing and all of a sudden the, the whole team decides that they're not going to go into the field. They're just going to send the pitcher in. Okay. And so here it is, the other team's getting ready to bat, and, and only the pitcher goes out. <laughs> now, what's going to happen here, right? Well, there might be some success, because maybe the pitcher can strike some out. But more likely is that somebody's going to get a hold of one of those softballs or baseballs and send it to the outfield. So then just pitcher now the... Picture, huh? Uh, picture the pitcher running out to the outfield, right? And now it's like this competition because the batter's running around the bases, right? I mean, it just seems silly, doesn't it? I mean, you know, like, like softball, baseball are meant to be played as a team. And all I'm trying to say is, is that church is to be the exact same way. Like, um, yeah, I remember one time um, we used to have people like give uh, testimonies of their giving and how the Lord's blessed them and take care of them just to try to encourage people. And, and one guy got up one Sunday morning and he goes, for a long time, this was my view of church. I came in and I watched the show. And if the show was good, I'd give more money. If I didn't like the music so much and didn't care for the sermon so much, I just gave less money. <laughs> and you know, the truth is, is that if we're not careful, we can fall into something similar. To think that what we do is that we come in and we get a cup of coffee and we enjoy the show. <laughs> and then we even leave a tip on our way out, you know. But God has designed the church in this way, that we're all working together as a team, that everybody is engaged. You know, I mean, I, I have to tell you that, actually, um, you know, you have, you have to watch, like, numbers of things and you know, I have to do that and understand it and see how we're doing. I, I will tell you that two of the most important numbers that I watch, one are how many people are getting connected, like in a small group, a connect group, or one of those kinds of ministries, so that they're getting ministered to and they're, they're connecting in that way and they're growing in their relationship with God. The other one is, is that how many people are connected to the ministry 
are involved in something happening, you know, that they're, they're involved during the week, you know, that, that they're, you know, involved in the ministry of the church. Like, these are the things that are so important. Because when you look at it this way, you realize that all of this is about the body of Christ. So then he goes on to say what? So that when the church operates in this way, the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach a unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of Christ. He says this is how people grow. This is how churches grow. It's not when there's a lot of spectators watching a few. It is with the engagement of many connecting. And we're all working on and building the church together and growing in our experience of Christ. Now, so what I want to do is I want to offer you this. Um, This fall that we're going to launch it, taken right from this text, is something that we're calling Equip. And what that's going to be is basically kind of four kind of seminars for you that will help you to understand and kind of like unearth. Is there a passion that God has given to you and laid out in your heart? You know, what are the spiritual gifts that he's given to you? You know, when you go throughout the, the New Testament, you see Paul is very serious about these things called spiritual gifts that he's given to the body. I want to help you to understand like Trinity and the Wesleyan Church and who we are and why we're doing it. But I'm going to offer these seminars are going to be all together, just called Equip. And I don't care how long you've been here. I don't care if you've been here 30 years and you want to come. You've been coming one week and you want to come out. The doors are open to everybody to just take this time and understand these things so that you feel equipped for ministry. And then we're going to have ways where you can even discover different ministries in the church that you might go one place and that wasn't quite right. We're going to shift you to someplace else because we want you to understand the joy and the fulfillment that comes with serving the Lord. And so then point number three um, is what is God up to? One of my favorite texts is Isaiah forty three nineteen. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I just want you to picture, if you would, for a moment. In fact, why don't we just close our eyes um, for just a couple moments. And I want you to picture a church like this. Where people are just coming on campus and they're, they're serving They're giving of themselves. They're finding significant ministries even during the week to be a part of. And that God is using them mightily. God is maturing them. There's an incredible unity in the church. There's an incredible excitement. There's incredible vitality. Because we're all working on the same team, on one team, and for the Lord. And so, God, I pray that you would encourage us not only to envision such a church, but, Lord, do what we can to 
make it this wonderful reality here. That, God, we would make places for people to serve, that they might experience the depth of the joy and the fulfillment of serving, that they might allow themselves to be formed after your image through what they desire to give and give their life over to. And so, God, we pray for just a release of apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, and teaching gifts across the church. That this body of Christ may be built up to reach a unity in the faith and we may grow mature together in you, God. And it's in Jesus' holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.